Dear Father in heaven, Lord, once again, we thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of forgiveness and grace. And Lord, we come before you humbly tonight in prayer, and we just ask you to please send your Holy Spirit to fill this room, to fill this gathering, but most of all, to fill our hearts. We ask you to draw us near to you, open the truths of your Bible, so that we can better know you and your character, and then we can draw nearer to you to transform our characters. Lord, please be with us and keep us safe tonight. We love you with all our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Our theme. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, it's not for me. Once again, please test everything you hear from me in the Bible. Listen to the CDs. Listen to them over. Go to your Bibles. Check the verses. I know we're moving quite quickly these nights. I'm not moving quickly to gloss over them. It's because we have lots to cover. Please, study your Bibles. Test everything you've heard from me. When it comes to the question of the origin of life, you have two basic positions. There is a God or there isn't a God. Either God has always existed and brought about the creation of the cosmos or they came about purely by chance. As we look around at nature and we study the amazing complexity of even the simplest forms of life, we realize that God has left his fingerprints throughout the universe. From the smallest living organism to the amazing far reaches of outer space, we find evidence of a creator God. A God that shaped the world. A God that fashioned the world. Created every part of it. Think about the complexity of everything working in unison. And then think about how could that happen randomly. I'll give you an easier or a more personal example. Your human body. The human body. The human body is made up of so much com- so many complex organs, cells, tissues, combinations. They all form one complete unit. They all work in unison. They all rely on each other, interdependent. I read a story from an atheist scientist who became a Christian. And he was a genius in statistics. And he said the odds, the mathematical odds of one of our organs occurring randomly in nature was a number I can't even repeat. It was like 1 times 10 to the, I forget how many zeros, 40-some zeros, I believe. One organ. Now, compound that with all the other organs in our bodies. And then put them all together and they operate interdependently. This man, who was not a Christian when he came to this conclusion, said it's mathematically impossible for it to have happened randomly. It's, a, it's an odds that we cannot even fathom, we can't wrap our heads around. The book of Revelation describes a vision in which John was brought to the very throne of this all-powerful creator God. And here in this vision, in Revelation chapter 4, we're going to find a clarion call. A call for men and women living in earth's last hour 
to return to the worship of a creator God. Turn me to Revelation chapter 4, page 1177. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. It says, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. You see, John was brought into prophetic vision. The Lord gave him a vision. And in that vision, he travels to the throne room of the entire universe. And he hears these sounds of praise. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by, their, their, they, by your will they exist and were created. That's in verse 11. My friends, all of heaven sings is what John was shown and heard. Now some scientists may not know how life arose or how the universe got here. But all of heaven knows, and they, the angels sing, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Now, why is he worthy of that? For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Because he created them. By his will they were created. My friends, we did not evolve by a cosmic accident. We were created by a loving God. Before you existed in the womb of your mother, you existed in the mind of God. My friends, God fashioned you. God shaped you. God created you. And the book of Revelation calls humanity back to worshiping the creator. That's the call of the book of Revelation. There is an answer to the question of human origins. And it's found in the book of Revelation. In fact, it's part of his end time message for all people. Revelation calls us. Turn there, Revelation 14. We've seen it every night. We're going to read it again tonight. Revelation chapter 14, verse 7. Page 1183. Revelation 14, verse 7. Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. For his, the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Now I want you to think about that last part of that verse. In an age of evolution, God sends a message to the entire human race. And that message is a call to worship the creator. This is a message for all of us. It is a message for all of humanity. It's not a message for one religious group, one denomination. It's not a message for just some and not others. It's a message for all. It's God's final call to all people. It's a call to worship the Creator. It's a call to return to giving worship to the only being worthy of being worshipped. So how do we worship the creator of heaven and earth? 
How does he remind us of his creative power? At creation, did he leave us a symbol of that creative authority? My friends, Revelation is a book of endings. And we can only understand endings if we understand the beginnings. You have to understand your beginnings to understand the end. And we will only understand the significance of the monumental issues in today's world if we understand the events at creation. If we understand our origins. Revelation's final call for the entire human race to worship the Creator has its origins in the book of Genesis. The book of beginnings. This theme of true worship Remembering the Creator is common thread throughout the entire Bible. It is one of the most important themes of Scripture. The heart of Revelation's final crisis is over true and false worship. That is the heart of the great controversy, of the battle between good and evil. It's worship. Satan craved it. God deserves it. Now let's return to our origins so we can understand our destiny. The amazingly intricate world as we know it today was created in six literal days. That's what the Bible says. Our Creator spoke and the earth came into existence. Now think about that. Just by His word, all of this. God dazzled it with light, and he enveloped it with an atmosphere. He brightened it with babbling brooks and flowing rivers. He colored it with beautiful flowers, beautiful plants, enlivened it with an incredible variety of living things. Day by day, looking upon his handiwork, remember what he said, it's good. And then came the crowning act of creation. Turning to the Father, the Creator said, turn me there, to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, page 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. My friends, man could not have a greater honor. We were made in the image of God. God could have shown no greater love. The human race is God's masterpiece of creation. I saw an article this week that said the greatest living creature on the earth is the bumblebee. That's a true, it's true. Google it. Somebody shared it on my Facebook page. And I replied, I said, it's not what God said. It's not what God said. Don't get me wrong. The bumblebee's an amazing creature, amen? We were made in God's image. My friends, we often squander our birthright. That is our birthright, to be made in the image of God. 
to live in a perfect world. The object of his supreme love. After the creation of Adam and Eve on the sixth day, the Bible continues. Turn me to Genesis chapter 2 now, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. So in six days of work, creation's done. Six days. Such a short time, amen? But it wasn't a short time for God. He's God. All-powerful. But friends, the account of creation does not end on the sixth day. Stay in Genesis chapter 2, now verse 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So six days of creative power and glory and evidence. And on that seventh day, God rested. Why did he rest? Was God tired? Of course not. He's God. He was pleased with his accomplishments, with the results of his work over those last, or those first six days, the six days prior. And then God did something especially significant. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. He sanctified it and he rested. The seventh day Sabbath given at creation was to be God's perpetual reminder of our roots. It was meant to be a memorial to our birthright, to his creation. Now let's look at three specific things that God did on that seventh day. First, he blessed it. God blessed it. The Bible says God blessed the seventh day. He made the seventh day an endless fountain of spiritual refreshing for his people for all time to come. Next, God sanctified it. He sanctified the seventh day, which means he set it apart as a holy day. A special time every seven days to continually remind us of our beginnings, of our roots, of our creation. And third, God rested on that day. Now I want you to think about this. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God blessed the first day, or the third day, or the fifth day. But it says he blessed the seventh day. Turn me to 1 Chronicles chapter 17, page 397. 1 Chronicles chapter 17. 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 27. Page 397. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue before you forever. For you have blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. My friends, when God blesses something, he blesses it forever. Forever. To bless something is to infuse it 
with God's very presence. God blessed the seventh day by making it an eternal sign of his powerful creation and infinite love. I can't stress this enough. You're going to hear it over and over. It's a sign. It's a memorial. He rested on the seventh day not because he was tired, but because he knew we would be tired. God sanctified the seventh day. He set it apart for holy use. Now the word sanctified is the word that's used by God for the marriage ceremony. When one woman is set apart or sanctified for one man. Now let's suppose a man gets married. And the woman he marries has six sisters. After the ceremony, he's waiting in the car, getting ready to leave on the honeymoon. And one of her sisters slips in behind her, gets in the car and says, let's go. He looks at her amazed and he says, wait a minute, I didn't marry you. I married your sister. And her reply is, what difference does it make? I'm one of seven. My friends, does it make any difference? Absolutely. Think about that. To a married couple, it certainly does make a difference. Amen? There was one who was sanctified, who was set apart for him in that marriage ceremony. All women are not the same, and all days are not the same. Now, some say the Sabbath was only for the Jews. How many have heard that? Come on. My friends, the Sabbath was created 2,300 years before there was a single Jew on the planet. 2,300 years before the existence of the Jewish race. It was given to our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. The Sabbath was set aside at creation as an eternal symbol of God's creative power for his people in every age. When Adam and Eve left the garden, the Sabbath remained as a reminder of God's eternal love. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Sabbath is a sign between God and his people. Before he gave the Israelites the Ten Commandment Law on Mount Sinai, they were keeping the Sabbath of creation. In Exodus chapter 16, we read the remarkable story. One of the greatest miracles in the Bible, the falling of manna. Let's go there. Exodus chapter 16, verse 26. Page 67. Exodus chapter 16, verse 26. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath there will be none. You see, my friends, God worked a miracle for Israel. Amen? He met their needs by raining bread down from heaven. The bread of manna fell every day, except one, Sabbath. If the Israelites gathered more than they could eat, the leftovers spoiled. 
When some Israelites went out to gather men on the Sabbath, God said on verse 28, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Was the Sabbath important to the Lord? He said, I've provided everything you need, and then some. Why aren't you keeping my laws and my commandments? Why aren't you following my, my instructions? On Mount Sinai, God wrote with his own finger on tablets of, tablets of stone the Sabbath commandment. He didn't write them in the sand so that the ocean or the waters would wash it away. He didn't write it on parchment to be consumed in some fire. God did not write the Sabbath command on a little piece of paper hidden away in a corner somewhere. He wrote them on the tablets of stone. He wrote the law to endure forever. Now I want you to think about this. God didn't even entrust Moses to write the law. He didn't entrust one of the prophets to write it. Now let me ask you something. If in the Bible there's only one set of laws written with God's own finger, and if God wrote them on tablets of stone, can we as human beings turn back the eternal law of God written with his own finger? Exodus chapter 20, page 71. We were here last night. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now why do you suppose he said remember? This is important. First of all, we can only keep holy what God has made holy, amen? Human beings cannot make something holy. They can't turn something into being holy. And God made the Sabbath day holy. As I said earlier, he blessed it at creation. It was a memorial of his creation. And the first word he says is, remember. Why remember? It's the only commandment. Look in your Bibles, Exodus chapter 20. It's the only commandment that says remember. Why remember? Because he knew we were going to forget. He knew in an age of evolution, men and women would forget the Sabbath. So God said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. My friends, God is calling us back to his eternal sign of creation. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you shall do no work. I want you to notice something. Notice that he doesn't say a seventh day. He says the seventh day. He says the seventh day is the Sabbath. And just as the day of your birthday and the day after your birthday... And the day before, think about those days around your birthday, the day before and the day after. Those are not your birthday, right? They do not commemorate the day that you were born. The first day, the third day, the fourth day do not commemorate the birth of the earth of the Creator. 
not according to God's word. He tells us in verse 11 exactly why we are to worship on the seventh day. He says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. My friends, the Ten Commandment Law, this Ten Commandment Law quotes and leads us back to when God created us, when he created the earth. This commandment has the creation in it. As I said earlier, the Sabbath was never an exclusively Jewish institution. It was given for all of humanity. Just as the commandment, thou shalt not kill, is not just for Jews. Anybody want to argue with me on that? Everybody else can kill, just not Jewish people. It's not what it says. It says, thou shalt not kill. Just as the commandment, thou shalt not worship any graven images, is not just for Jewish people. The Sabbath is not exclusively a Jewish Sabbath. It was given to our first parents long before the existence of the Jewish nation. The Sabbath is for all Old Testament and New Testament believers. The Bible says the Sabbath is made for man, which means all humanity everywhere. Turn me to Isaiah chapter 56, page 713. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 6 and 7. Also the sons of the foreigner who joins themselves to the Lord to serve him. Everyone who keeps, I'm sorry, into the love of the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my my covenant. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. My friends, the Lord is telling us that all nations will one day worship around his throne in the new Jerusalem on every Sabbath. The Sabbath will be kept in heaven. It is kept in heaven, and it will be when we're there with them. The new Jerusalem will observe every Sabbath. Throughout the Bible, the Sabbath is God's everlasting sign For all of his people, not just some people. Turn me to Ezekiel chapter 20, page 819. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. What is it? A sign between God and his people that they might know he's the Lord who sanctifies them. My friends, the Sabbath is a sign. It's not only a sign that God created us. It's a sign that he can recreate our hearts. It's a sign that he can transform our characters. When I come to worship him on the Sabbath day, I say, God, You are the all-powerful creator. 
you and only you can recreate my heart. God gave the Sabbath to Adam and Eve at creation. God gave the Sabbath to Moses in the Ten Commandment Law. He gave the Sabbath as a sign to all through the Old Testament of his power to recreate hearts. He gave the Sabbath as a sign of his love to us and a symbol of his divine authority. Of him and only him being worthy of worship. But the natural question is, and I'm sure some of you have had it, some of you have heard it. Well, Dan, that's great. But what about the New Testament? What about Jesus Christ? Didn't Jesus come to do away with the Sabbath? Did the disciples change the Sabbath? Didn't they worship on another day? Well, we're going to look at the New Testament. We're going to look in the Bible. What did Jesus teach about the Bible's Sabbath? What did Jesus teach about religious tradition? Turn me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, page 994. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As his custom was. What's custom? It's a regular practice, right? A habit? As was his custom. My friends, Jesus Christ worshipped every Sabbath. If Jesus wanted to leave another sign or another symbol for worship, wouldn't you expect him to leave it as a positive example in his life? Don't you think he would show us through how he lived? Absolutely. His entire life was an example to us. Isn't it true that someone's last will and testament is sealed by their death? You can't change a person's will after they die, amen? And Christ's will and testament was sealed at his death. But the legacy of his life was, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. My friends, Jesus Christ himself kept the Bible Sabbath. He said himself, turn me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, page 970. This is Jesus himself speaking. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Nowhere in that verse do you see that the Sabbath was made for the Jew. The Sabbath was made for man. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Was the Sabbath made for the Jew? A trick question. Good job. Absolutely. The Jew is part of all of humanity, amen? The Sabbath was made for Jews and Gentiles alike as a sign of God's creation. It's a sign 
that we worship him exclusively. It is a sign that we love him supremely. The Sabbath was made as God's gift to us. Adam and Eve were made first. And then the Sabbath was God's love gift to the human race. Every Sabbath, we flee from the stresses of life to his palace in time. You saw the health message tonight. If if you haven't figured out, those aren't coincidental messages. The tensions of life will evaporate in his presence. He, if you allow him, will cause life to slow down. He will cause you to relax, to wind down, to recharge. My friends, the Sabbath is an eternal sign that he created us. Now you ask me if Jesus Christ kept the Sabbath. This is amazing. Even in his death, Jesus kept the Sabbath. Now Jesus' closest followers kept the Sabbath according to the commandment. They wouldn't even care for his body on the Sabbath. Jesus rested on the Sabbath before he was resurrected on the first day of the week. You see, Jesus kept the Sabbath in life, and he kept the Sabbath in death. Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verse 15, page 1043, I've shown it almost every night. If you love me, keep my commandments. Friends, love leads to obedience. Love leads us to keep his commandments. Jesus told his disciples that even after his death, even after the crucifixion, even after the resurrection, they would be keeping the Sabbath. You see, one day Jesus gathered his disciples together and they were discussing the destruction of Jerusalem. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 20, page 960. Matthew chapter 24, verse 20. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Now why would Jesus say that? What sense would it make for Jesus to say, Pray that your flight not be on the Sabbath. If they weren't going to be keeping the Sabbath. Right? If Jesus had come and did away with that Sabbath, why would he tell them, pray that your flight doesn't have to take place on the Sabbath? It would not have made any sense at all. Amen? So why did he say that? If they were all worshiping together on the Sabbath, together in one place, and the Roman armies attacked the city, what would have happened? The Roman armies would have destroyed them. What he was saying is, this is still going to be important decades after my death. Jerusalem was destroyed in A.D. 70, decades after Jesus had died, and he's telling them, The Sabbath is still going to be an important issue. Years after Jesus ascended to heaven, Jerusalem was destroyed. 
What about people who say, well, you know, Dan, that's true, but that Sabbath commandment is not quite as important as those other ones. Now, friends, first of all, do not grade the commandments. Some aren't more important than others. We as human beings have done that. Well, that murder one is really bad, right? And it seems really bad in our humanistic kind of ideals. But what does the Bible say about this? Turn me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 10. James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. My friends, the Bible is very clear. If you break one commandment, you have broken them all. James is telling us that all commandments are equal. God's law is God's law. Now some people may ask, well, Dan, maybe time has been lost. Has time ever been lost? How can we know which day the Sabbath is? Well, there are three ways we can know. We can know by the Bible. We can know from language. And we can know from astronomy. Now, you will recall that Sabbath was stated at creation. And then it was restated at the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses. It is clear that there was no time lost between Adam and Moses. Amen? Adam kept the seventh-day Sabbath, and so did Moses. All through the Old Testament, from Moses to Jesus, God's people kept the Sabbath. So there was no time lost between there. Amen? And the crucifixion story clearly reveals that the weekly cycle, as we know it, has not changed from Jesus' time to today. In fact, let's look at the sequence of that time from the Bible. Let's begin with the day Jesus died. The Bible describes it this way. Turn me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verse 54, page 1023. Luke 23, 54. The day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Let me ask you a question. Jesus' closest followers, those who are going to care for his body, were they keeping the Sabbath? After he died, what does it say? They rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. My friends, they did not believe that his death changed that commandment in any way. Think about this scene. They had just lost their Lord. They had just lost their lives as far as they were concerned, their hope. Here he lay, needing his body to be cared for. But even in the face of this intense grief, they chose to keep the Sabbath. B. 
before caring for God's body. That's fidelity to the Lord's command. So here, I'm going to go through the days in succession. The day of Christ's death. The next day, the Sabbath, according to the commandment, the seventh day. The Bible tells us, continues, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them. What did they do? They were coming to anoint his body. Came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. They were coming to care for his body. Let's look at the order of these events. We have three days. Three days in this picture, in this story. The first day is the preparation day. The day Christ died. What day was that? Friday. In fact, all the Christian world calls it what? Good Friday. Preparation day. The next day was the Sabbath. The day he rested according to the commandment. What day was that? Saturday. The Sabbath day. And then the next day, which the Bible says is the first day of the week, was when the women came to anoint his body. What day did he resurrect? Sunday. Christians call it Easter Sunday. Amen? The first day of the week. My friends, the identity of the Sabbath is clear. Sabbath is the seventh day of the weekly cycle, or the day we call Saturday. Now, some of you may think, or may, some of you may have heard, some are going to say, well, wait a minute, Dan. We worship on Sunday because we honor the resurrection. My friends, I honor the resurrection too, amen? Amen. Let's look at what the Bible says about how to honor the resurrection. You see, Christ has given us a symbol of the resurrection. According to the Bible, how are we supposed to celebrate the resurrection? Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Page 1089. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So just as Jesus died and was buried and was resurrected, we do that by being baptized. We come up from the watery grave to live the new life. My friends, baptism is the New Testament symbol of the resurrection. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day. My friends, we honor him as creator by keeping the Bible Sabbath. What about language? In over 140 languages of the world, the, wor- the world, the word for the seventh day of the week is Sabbath. In Spanish, it's Sabado. In Russian, Ukrainian, and Bulgarian, it's Sabota. In Arabic, it is Az Sabit. In all of the cultures of the world, there is no question about this. 
When you look at languages, it's very plain. The word for the day in English we call Saturday is Sabbath. What about astronomy? According to such trustworthy sources as the Royal Greenwich Observatory in England and the United States Naval Observatory, the weekly cycle has never changed. Has never changed. My friends, Jesus kept the Sabbath. Peter, James, John, Paul kept the Sabbath. Turn me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verse 1 and 2, page 1071. Acts chapter 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. My friends, Acts chapter 17 is well past Jesus' death and his resurrection. For those of you, and I mentioned it last night, for those of you that say, well, I love the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul kept the Sabbath. He preached the Sabbath. He preached about Christ. It was on the Sabbath. And the interesting thing here is that some Gentiles were here. Turn me to Acts chapter 13, verse 42, page 1067. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. My friends, here's Paul preaching to Gentiles. These people are not Jews. He's teaching them about Jesus. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13, verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. My friends, a whole city coming together. I say, praise God. What if everyone in this city came to worship the Creator every Sabbath? You see, the Sabbath represents the harmony of the human race. In Christ, we are one humanity. And on the Sabbath, we celebrate that oneness. When we come to worship Him on the Sabbath, He binds us together as one common humanity. My friends, the disciples kept the Sabbath. Acts chapter 16, page 1070. Acts chapter 16, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Where prayer was customarily made. They went out on the Sabbath. You see, in this city at that time, there was no Sabbath-keeping church. There was no building. So the Apostle Paul gets together with a group of believers next to a quiet river to worship the Creator on the Sabbath. You see, in these days of Earth's last history, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ 
Revelation calls us back to true worship. True worship. Now some might say, well, wait a minute, Dan. I worship on the Lord's day. Christians worship on the Lord's day. Let's see what Revelation says about that. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. Page 1174. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. So someone says, see Dan, I keep the Lord's day. Now, it's interesting that many people that say that ignored the whole book of Revelation. Think about that. Many of those are the people that tell you you can't understand Revelation, but they remember this phrase. Now, I want you to wait for one minute. Does this text tell you which day the Lord's day is? No. You see, human beings may try to define what the Lord's day is. But brothers and sisters, Jesus knows better. Let's let Jesus define what the Lord's day is. Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mark chapter 2, verse 28. Therefore the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Luke chapter 6, verse 5. The Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Are you seeing a theme? Why do you think the Bible repeats the same thing three times? Because it's important. My friends, if the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, then the Sabbath must be the Lord's day. The Sabbath of the Creator, God in Genesis, is the Lord's day of Revelation. He is the same creator in Revelation as he was in Genesis. Just as he declared on that first week of creation to the first inhabitants of earth, I blessed, sanctified, and rested upon the Sabbath. You see, my friends, he calls all of humanity to worship him at end times as well as at the beginning. He does not change. In fact, we're going to see in the Bible once again what God's end time people look like. How are they described? Revelation chapter 14, page 1184. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. This describes what God's end time people will look like. The commandments of God. They will keep the commandments of God and they will have the faith of Jesus Christ. So let's summarize the Sabbath. It was given to us at creation, amen? Given again at Sinai, a reminder. Kept by his people. Kept by Jesus. Who's our example in all things? Jesus Christ. Honored by his disciples, his closest followers kept his Sabbath. It's a sign of God's power. It shows us, it signifies his creative power. 
And we saw in the Bible it will be kept on the new earth, the new Jerusalem. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22. Page 724. Isaiah 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another... And from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. This is a picture of worship in the new Jerusalem. And what is God's people going to be doing? Keeping the Sabbath. Worshiping on the Sabbath. Singing God's praises on the Sabbath day. My friends, they will come from the north. They will come from the south. They will come from the east and the west. They will come from China. They will come from Russia. They will come from Africa, the Americas. They will come from Europe. From around the world, they will come. And together as one common humanity, together as brothers and sisters, in one family, we will come to give him praise, to give him honor, to give him glory. Together, we will come to praise the Christ who created the heaven and the earth. We will come together with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We will come together to praise the Christ who died for us. Now friends, some of you are maybe thinking, Dan, this is really new to me. This is very new. But I know you have only one desire, and that's to follow Jesus. And to do his will. Jesus. Even if it's different than popular opinion. Even if it's different from what conventional religion teaches. Even if it's different than religious tradition and habits and customs. My friends, my heart only wants one thing. And that's Bible truth. My heart only wants one thing, and that's Jesus. Tonight, I ask you, would you like to bow your head and say, Jesus, teach me the truth. Wherever it leads, I will follow. Would you like to say, dear Jesus, tonight I want to follow you, no matter what others teach. I want to worship you as creator as Lord. And look, Jesus, I want to find rest in your Sabbath rest. You see, my friends, the most important thing in life is to follow Jesus. Is this your desire? Is this your commitment? Is Jesus' will more important than anything else in this world? Stand with me tonight. My friends, let's pray to Jesus that he will guide us into doing his will today and always. Let us pray before our Lord. Dear Heavenly Merciful Father, Lord, once again, 
We thank you for your love and mercy, your grace. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of your law. We thank you for the gift of rest, of your Sabbath that you created, that you gave to all of man, not just for some people, not for just some churches, not for just some races. It was a gift for all of mankind. And Lord, you did so as a memorial to your creation, to your power to create and to recreate. And Lord, we just ask you to please call to our hearts. Send your Holy Spirit to open our minds and our hearts to your truth of the Bible, to this Sabbath. Draw us to rest on your holy day. Most of all, Lord, draw us into fellowship with you, an opportunity to get to know you better and to leave the worries and the cares of the world. And Lord, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. And even in your death, you kept the Sabbath, Lord, and we just ask you to please lead us to follow your example, to go wherever you go, to do whatever you do, and to believe what you believe. Lord, I ask you please speak to these dear souls, call to them, draw them into your Bible, show them the truths, all of the truths. Help them to overcome man's tradition and to only follow your tradition. Lord, we ask this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you all.